Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. It is a joy to worship you with you this morning. And if you would if you would indulge me just for a moment. Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I've been doing that for 10 years online. I don't think she'd be happy if I forgot today. Our scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, beginning with verse number one. Listen once again to the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. Or, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it, When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. A few years ago, my wife Deborah and I attended the wedding of one of her cousins. The service was nice, the food was delicious, but the highlight of the evening might have been overlooked by those who were not paying attention. It was a little thing, and like most little things, it was easily overlooked. The groom danced with his mother. The mother was elderly, and evidently she had suffered a stroke, and now she was confined to a wheelchair. The groom walked out onto the dance floor. His brother pushed their mother out onto the dance floor. The two of them stood beside her, lifted her up. The brother moved the wheelchair. He stood behind his mother, placing his hands on her waist, and the groom put his arms around her, and they danced and danced and danced. And then the brother stepped away, and the groom wrapped his arms around his mother and just held her tightly, and they glided across the dance floor. It was a little thing, easily overlooked, but it was one of the most moving, beautiful, and loving moments that I have ever witnessed. Little things mean a lot. A few months ago, Deb and I were... Uh, exploring the Lower East Side. 
And at one point we lost our bearings and we were not sure where we were. We stopped on a street corner looking at the street names and looking at the phones on our apps, completely confused. And then a woman stops and said, excuse me, may I help you? Can I give you some directions? Yes, thank you. And she pointed us on our way. It, it was a, a little thing, easily overlooked, but it was a wonderful gesture of kindness. Little things mean a lot. A thank you note. A phone call from a friend that you've not talked with in many, many years. Someone who asks you, how are you doing, and then actually takes the time to listen. Speaking with our mother on Mother's Day, whether it's in person, over the phone, or even, even in a memory. Little things mean a lot. If you are cynical about that this morning, if you are skeptical about the power of little things, I invite you to consider again our scripture reading. For there is a little word in this scripture passage that reverberates with power and joy and hope and grace. When we turn to the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, we see that Jesus is in trouble again. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, but the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let us remember who the Pharisees and the scribes are. They are not the sinister people we have often been led to believe that they are. No, no, no. They are simply, sincerely religious folks, leaders in the Judaism of the day. They took their faith seriously. They worked hard to serve the Lord, praying every day, reading scripture, giving their offerings, giving their time. These are sincerely religious folks who simply want to serve God. And when they see Jesus welcoming sinners and tax collectors, they are scandalized. They don't know what to make of it. Jesus is simply doing what the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, teaches us to do. But pay attention and take care of the marginalized, the poor, the hungry, the outsider. But they, they, they don't quite get it. And I wonder why. It's clear in the Hebrew Scriptures, take care of the marginalized, the outsider, those who don't fit in, and yet, they disapprove of Jesus wrapping his arms around them. But I wonder if it might be because they simply feel left out. They are religious people who, like our choir, are in church every week. They really care. They really want to serve God, and yet Jesus comes and he spends time not with those who are spiritual, not with those who are sincerely committed. No, he spends time with those other people. And I can't help but wonder that deep down their feelings are hurt because they are feeling uh, overlooked, ignored. Notice what Jesus does not do when they challenge him. He does not scold them. He does not 
respond with sarcasm. He does not belittle them. Instead, even with the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus makes room for them, and he tells them a parable, a story in pictures. What shepherd, having all these sheep, loses one in the wilderness and leaves the ninety-nine to go and find the one sheep that is missing? And when he goes out and finds the one sheep that is missing, he rejoices and celebrates with his friends. Or what woman, who having ten silver coins, loses one of them and searches diligently throughout the house, moving the furniture around, looking and looking, searching and searching, until she finds that silver coin. And when she finds it, she calls her neighbors and says to them, Let's celebrate! I have found my coin! Did you hear the little word? How long does the shepherd look for the sheep? Until. And how long does the woman search for her coin? Until. Until is a wonderful little word. Jesus doesn't say that the shepherd looks until night falls. The shepherd doesn't look until it becomes so frustrated that the stupid sheep got lost in the first place. No. Jesus says that the shepherd looks until. And how long does the woman look? Does she look until fatigue drops her to the floor, until she gets frustrated moving this furniture around? No. Jesus says that she looks until. Is until a part of your theological vocabulary? Can you appreciate the power and the hope and the grace in this tiny little word? Do you know deep down in your heart that God is looking for you even now? How long? Until. Do you realize that as God's baptized people in this place, God has called you to be a shepherd in search of that lost sheep. God has called you to be that little old woman searching and searching and searching for her valuable possession until. That's how long God searches for us, until. There, there is power in this word. There is hope in this word, and there is joy in this word. This word gives us hope. How long does God look? Until. This word gives us direction, like a woman in the lower east side pointing the way. How do we engage in ministry? How long do we engage in ministry as a congregation? How long? Uh, until. Uh, for example, we all know that there are a number of hungry people in our city, uh, but how long, how long will we continue to feed the hungry here at Madison Avenue on Thursday evenings? How long will we do that? Until. How long will we here at Madison Avenue rebuke those voices in our world that rally the sinister voices and powers of bigotry, <coughs> prejudice, and racism? How long will we continue to challenge those dark powers? How long? Until. 
until. How long, as different as we all are in this congregation, coming from different places with different viewpoints and perspectives, how long will we continue to listen to one another and make room for one another and care for one another? How long will we do this? How long? Until. And how long on this Mother's Day, how long Will we champion the dignity, agency, and autonomy of women? How long will we push back on thousands of years of tradition that relegate women to a subservient, inferior status? How long are we going to do that here at Madison Avenue? How long? Until. God loves us until. God sends us out into the world to make a difference until. God invites us to search for the lost and the hurting and the oppressed. How long? Until. I, I, uh, I know of a church that attracted the attention of a young family. And, uh, well, like most congregations, when this young family appeared in worship one Sunday morning, that congregation was tempted to descend upon them like piranha on a cow. You know what I'm talking about, you know, fresh meat. Uh, new people, young family. Let's get them. We got them. Let's get some more of them. And this church was just thrilled. It's a congregation out in California. And this congregation was just thrilled that a, a young family was going to make their new church home with them. But then, then the, the, the family didn't show up anymore. They disappeared. And, and it was so happened in their process of welcoming new members, they had a person in the congregation, a member of the church, who would contact the new member or the new family and visit with them and get to know them and explore with them how they might want to get engaged in the life of that congregation. And this particular woman sent letter after letter after letter and made phone call after phone call after phone call and they were never returned. But she was persistent. She refused to give up, and so this young man was a lawyer. One day she shows up unannounced at his law practice, and he sees her, they sit down. And she says, I've been trying to get in touch with you. We in the congregation are thrilled that you're here. Let me stop you. I know that I've been very, very hard to make an appointment with. I've been avoiding this conversation. We are delighted that we are members of this congregation. We are glad that we have a new church home, but we simply cannot get involved at this point. We just can't. And the woman sensing frustration and strain in the man's voice said to him, how might we pray for you and your family in this time of transition? And the man paused and a tear ran down his cheek and he said, we've not wanted to be a burden to the church because we are so near. But our child is having critical surgery next week. That's why we stayed away. Could you pray for him? 
And you know what that church did? That church did pray for that child. And because the surgery was in a distant city, someone watched over their home when they were away. And others prepared meals for them when they returned. And some went with them to the surgery to be with them when their son was under anesthesia. The surgery went well, the little boy was fine. And that young couple got involved in the life of that congregation such that one of the staff members says that it helped to shape the character of that church. And all this happened, why? How long did this church member look for that family? How long? Until. How long does God look for me and you? Until. And how long will we continue to bear witness to the saving love of Jesus Christ? How long will we do that here? Until. Amen.